It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. I'm talking to uh, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, who wrote a book called My uh, Stroke of Insight, it's called, because she had a massive stroke and remained conscious the entire time and lived, obviously, sitting here with me now, to write about it. Dr. Taylor is a Harvard-trained neuroanatomist who teaches at the Indiana University School of Medicine and is a national spokesperson for the mentally ill for the Harvard Brain Tissue Resource Center. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about what your life was like before the stroke? Before the stroke, I I grew up to study the brain because I have a brother diagnosed with schizophrenia, and he's only 18 months older than I am, so he was my constant companion as a child. So my introduction to the world was through his eyes as well as through my own. And I recognized as a little girl that he was very different in the way he perceived experiences around and then chose to behave. And and just his overall way that he put the world together, it was different from mine. So I became very highly tuned into body language, tone, um, how people interact with one another, what people found of value, how they, they made the decisions that they made. So at the time of the hemorrhage, though, I was at Harvard Medical School teaching and performing research. My area of specialty was uh, the postmortem investigation of the brain as it relates to schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was serving on the uh, board of directors for NAMI, the National Alliance on, on Mental Illness. And there was a lot of meaning in my life because I was I was doing something that would could make a difference in the lives of people like my brother. Would you consider yourself a spiritual person before the stroke? Uh, I would I would I would describe myself as um, spiritual but not religious. I, I grew up, my father was a retired minister, mm-hmm. um, and um, so I went to church because I had to go to church, and, mm-hmm. and it didn't really resonate mm-hmm. with me. Um, but I, I did, I could put myself in a bigger picture, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, um, uh, it wasn't well defined. Did you have any particular spiritual beliefs? Like what happened to you when you die or no. what we were here to do as no. human beings? No, no. I, I, I didn't put myself in a box uh-huh. um, I, and I was open to the possibility. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always wanted to be awake when I died because I thought that that would be a really cool experience. And I wanted to, to I know have you that say in the book. You say yeah. in My Stroke of Insight that you think, like most people, you say, I wanted to be awake when you died. I was yeah. going, that thought never occurred it to really? me. 
No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, really? drug me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I want to watch. You want to watch the whole thing? I want to watch the whole thing. I want to have the experience. Uh-huh. And, I, and I almost did. So be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you yeah, ask for. Be careful what so you, you had no for. particular thought about no. what happened to us. I mean, no. you were 37 when the stroke occurred. Right. So at some point you thought about what happens when you die. Did you think that, you know, when you die, your body goes in the ground and that's it? Or... There is some afterlife. Um, I pretty much figured uh, when it was done, it was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there we are. And there we are. So do what you can do while you're here because this is, you know, a, a gift, uh, but it's a very finite experience. So take us to the morning of the stroke. Yes. Let's begin there. Okay. Uh, well, I began with a, a pounding pain behind my left eye, and it was um, a pulsing pain. Yeah. That, that you went is, to turn the alarm off? Uh, oh, you want the beginning. <laughs> like the whole thing. <laughs> but you read it. No. <laughs> but it's in the But book. they didn't. Let me tell you okay, what tell happened. Tell the story. Yeah, okay. This, what happened was, Jill, yeah. is that, um, Dr. Taylor, yes. is that the alarm went off. You hit it again, mm-hmm. you know, to get mm-hmm. yourself a few more minutes. Mm-hmm. You noticed this pounding. Yes. And the light was coming in from the window. Yes. Okay. Yes. And it, and it pulsed at my head. It, it burned my brain. It was uh, very uncomfortable. And uh, it was very unusual for me to have any kind of pain. So I... I but you're not a person who gets headaches No, or I'm not a person who gets headaches. I exercise regularly. I had zero warning signs for stroke, first okay. of all. Because, okay. because I, blood pressure is fine. My weight was fine. My exercise was fine. Everything was fine. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and, and, and I should throw in there that it was a hemorrhagic stroke not a blood clot ischemic stroke because okay. it, it does make a difference in how it, it manifests in the body. But this was, was a congenital problem with the blood vessels that I was born with. Okay. So um, I started my normal exercise routine. Yeah, because you say, I love that, how you say, I've got this pounding behind my eye. A lot of people would say, let me call in. I can't go to work today. <laughs> you say, I've got this pounding behind my yeah. eye. Let me get on my cardio ex- glider. Get, cardio let's, glider. Do, let's do some exercise, and that, yeah. and maybe that'll help it go away. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's a yeah. healthy person. <laughs> well, yeah. well, that morning I wasn't very healthy, yeah. but at least I had the right. So attitude. you get on the exercise yeah. glider because you think exercise will maybe help the headache. Yeah, it's going to get my body, the blood flowing. You know, just kind of normalize everything. And then, well, there was this shift in perception, a shift in consciousness, where I was—I I be- essentially wit- what became a witness to myself being on this machine, having this experience. Yeah. And my just the entire perception was odd. And what did what went through your mind? Well, I um, I knew something was going on, but I but I didn't know because you know I've, I've never had a hemorrhage, I've never had a stroke, so I couldn't know that that was what I was having. So um, I just thought, okay, I'm just gonna watch this for a while. So I, I got off of the machine and I noticed that everything in my body had slowed way down, mm-hmm. and my thoughts had slowed, and 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 my body was deliberate and rigid, mm-hmm. and and there was a constraint in my area of perception. I was living outside of Boston where it's noisy. I had no perception of noise. And, and I just became tuned into the, the workings of my body. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was very interesting. And then Through you the went eyes of the... a neuroanatomist, it's very interesting. You have to understand. <laughs> this is, like, interesting. Very fascinating. It was fascinating. Okay. So then you decide, I'm going to go into the shower. Yes. I'm going to get myself to the shower. Yes. 
What happened when you turned on the shower? Well, when I turned on the shower, the volume of the sound of the water as it hit the tub was just amplified and it just the the loudness just knocked me back and knocked me over and and it was uh, and I realized at that point that I'm having a major problem and it is involving my auditory system and as a neuroanatomist I know of course where the fibers are are in the circuitry and and at this point I'm becoming alerted to the fact that I'm having a, a, a real problem and it could possibly be life-threatening okay yeah at this point though you didn't you didn't know it was stroke no you didn't know. I still it was had no idea. Okay, so tell us what was going on there. I shifted into this awareness that I'm this miraculous conglomeration of of trillions of little organisms working together for me to be, and and I could do this. I could wiggle my fingers, and and just because I could wiggle my fingers and I had a mind, I could reach out into the world and I could move it. And and wow, what a concept! I mean, have you ever thought about yourself like that? No. And we are that we're this incredible miracle of life, and and we've like forgotten that this is what we are and we've lost that appreciation for for what we are as a living entity and that yeah. it's temporary it's temporary so take care of it take care of it nurture it be good to it do you consider yourself a stroke survivor or a stroke triumphant oh i like that i love that <laughs> i love that thank you yeah. yes a yeah absolutely triumphant. A, tr- a stroke triumphant yeah so when did you realize this is a stroke well, I had just gotten out of the shower and I had dressed for work and I was walking around my apartment and I was visualizing the road to McLean Hospital asking, mm-hmm. can I drive? Mm-hmm. Can I drive? And then the right arm went totally paralyzed. And it was just like a thud against my body. It was it was amazing. I never had anything like that happen before. And so when the right arm went yeah. thud against yeah. your body, yeah. that's when you said, oh, oh my gosh, I'm having a stroke. I'm having, having a, a stroke. stroke. All right. And then the next thing my brain said to me was, you know, wow, wow, this is so, this cool. Is so cool. That's right. <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. It wow, did. it was. It this was like, is so well, cool. Okay, this is what I'm dealing with. Hey, wow. cool. It's a stroke. Yeah. Didn't you bring a brain today? I did. I brought okay. a brain. Can you, is, yeah. can you yeah, give yeah, me yeah, the yeah, brain? Yeah. Let me move my lemon out of the way. Because <laughs> you're going to show us the place in the brain where you actually yeah. had the stroke. Yeah. It's in the left hemisphere. Yeah. I read. Yeah. Beautiful brain. Wow. Yeah. With a spinal cord hanging down. Yeah. So this is the right hemisphere. Yes. The left hemisphere. Mm-hmm. Spinal cord in the back. Mm-hmm. Very uh, spongy. Looks but, like one yeah. big huge sponge. Mm, big tofu. Big kind tofu of sponge, Big tofu. Yeah. yeah. That's the spinal cord uh-huh. hanging That's down. That's a big beautiful spinal cord. That's a spinal cord, cord hanging down uh-huh. there. Okay. Yeah. So here, Oprah. Here. here. Let me hold the brain. Hold the brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got the brain in my hand. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So this is left, and there's little spongy things. This is things right. Are, this, this is, is right, left. right and left. This is back for the spinal cord. So yeah. was the entire left hemisphere uh, bleeding? Mine, yes. It started relatively small, deep inside over here. Mm-hmm. And then, it, but it was a hemorrhage, so it got bigger and bigger and bigger over the course of the morning. And the left hemisphere does what for us? The, that's our language. It, that's our. It does our language. It's our ability to think sequentially, to think methodically, to think linearly, to be able to know A plus B equals C. Any kind. It's our numbers. It, it's it's our ability to communicate with the external world. And the right hemisphere is the big picture. The right hemisphere is the big 
picture, all the information. Exactly. It, it, ge it gives us the context of everything. It also gives us um, the more subtle kinds of, of understanding. It's our intuition. Um, it's our witness or our observer. Wow. It's our, our ability to experience peace, deep inner peace. So, so the two hemispheres are, are very different in their function. The entire left hemisphere yeah. went quiet. It went totally Which means you lost your ego. I lost my ego. Yeah, I, I was essentially an infant in a woman's body, and I didn't have any of her recollection of her life. So was I her anymore? So what did exist then? Um, so you lost the ego. Right. You lost the sense of I am and right. your sense of uh, uh, context to, right. you know, I am not only not only a name, but I am, you know, a PhD right. at Harvard. Right. I am, you know. <laughs> I wasn't any of that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't any of that anymore. So lost all of yeah, that. Yeah. But you, what you had, though, right. was a sense of oneness and right. a sense of peace and right. a sense of connection to him, humanity yeah. in a way that you'd never exactly. had before yeah. because all yeah. of that other stuff had been quieted. Exactly. Yeah. It, so, so when I look at people who have had any kind of trauma, I ask, what have they gained? What I gained was this incredible knowingness of deep inner peace, an excitement of realizing everything was interconnected, and, and I, I lost the, the boundary of my body, so I felt that I was, was enormous, as big as the universe, because mm -hmm. I no longer defined that this was where I began and this was where I ended. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us, without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. One of the things you say when you're telling us in the beginning of the book about the simple science of what happened to you in your brain, mm -hmm. you say, as members of the same human species, you and I share all but one hundredth of one percent yeah. of identical genetic sequences. So biologically, as a species, you and I are virtually identical to one another at the level of our genes, and there's only one hundredth of one percent difference, right. and that is what makes all the difference. That's right. That's but ninety nine point ninety nine percent of yeah. all of us is the same. Is the same. Is the same. Doesn't yeah. you know? When I read that, it made me so sad mm -hmm. for all of the 
wars and violence and prejudices mm -hmm. and disagreements mm -hmm. and arguments and mm -hmm. when you're all 99.9 percent .9 the same right mm -hmm. right we are brothers and sisters we have this this level of hostility that focuses on our differences instead of our similarities which is very unfortunate in the way that it, that it then can cause animosity because all of a sudden then i see you as oh you're different than i am and so you don't feel like a safe space but you're really not separate from me. So again, it's that left hemisphere that and defines separation. So when your left hemisphere went out, mm -hmm. literally, yeah. you lost your left mind. Yeah, I did. Your right mind was still working. Yeah. It gave you the perception to know that you were connected to all that is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And which was always there, but I wasn't privy to it because my left hemisphere had been dominant. It had been inhibiting, actually having inhibiting fibers over those those circuits inside of my right hemisphere. So I didn't have that, that conscious awareness. So let's talk about orchestrating the rescue. Yeah. You have the stroke, mm -hmm. and how long is all of this taking? How long is this whole process? The whole morning took about four hours. Wow. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. I didn't get that from the book. Yeah, it took a whole morning. <laughs> Wow, time is running out on time you. Time was running out. Yeah, time was running out. Because at this whole time, you're bleeding into your I'm brain. I'm bleeding. And bleeding. The, the, the hemorrhage is getting bigger and bigger. And as the hemorrhage gets bigger, more and more circuits are going offline. Okay, so yeah. you finally managed to call your coworker. Yes. And when I, when, from what I was reading in your book, is it that you just sort of remembered, your right hemisphere remembered where to place your fingers on the phone? Yes. Or did you actually remember the number? Um, I had I had a number flash into my mind, but at this point I didn't really know what numbers were, so mm -hmm. I had to match the, the squiggle, the shape of the squiggle in my mind to the shape of the squiggle on the pad and, and get it, it dialed out that way. So, and is all of this happening... Um between, you know, flashes of lucidity where yes, you're still thinking, exactly. wow, it's cool, exactly. I'm all cells, exactly. look at exactly. this. Oh, yeah. So um, you are in the midst of this, this, you know, in and out, being lucid yeah. and not, yeah. and figure out a way to call. Right. When you finally go to speak to call, yes. tell us what happened. Well, when my colleague first answers the phone, he says, and I'm sure he didn't say that, but that's what I heard. He sounded like a golden retriever. And I, because I had had a golden retriever, and I yeah. thought he sounds just like a golden retriever. <laughs> and I was like, wow. You know, and at the same time, I'm thinking, oh, I've got a problem. And, and Because the part of your brain yeah, that now can that translate language, language exactly, is no longer functioning. Wow. And so I'm saying to him, clear in my mind, I'm saying, this is Jill. I need help. But what's coming out is because I couldn't get the apparatus. So to you work couldn't right. speak, nor could you understand uh, what could he was saying? I not understand, yeah. yeah. So how did he understand? Uh, well, he recognized that, that we're very good friends, so he recognized that, that I needed help, and so, so then he got me help. Could you, in your own mind, hear language? Yes. In your own mind, you yes. knew what you were saying? Yes, yes, clearly. I just couldn't translate what was inside my head to the external world. Yes, because yes. the part of your mind, because what I learned from reading My Stroke of Insight is that the right brain is the big picture of yeah. things. Right. So the right brain knows that there is language, Yes. but the left brain actually interprets the language. And performs the function. And performs the function. Right. I'm so fascinated <laughs> yeah, by it. Okay, yeah. so when you went to speak, it was all jibber-jabber. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But what also fascinated me is that... When you hung up the phone, mm -hmm. even though you didn't understand what he said mm -hmm. and recognized mm -hmm. that you probably weren't understood, right. 
the right brain mm -hmm. understood yes. that he was going to help you. He was going to get me help. Exactly. Because the right hemisphere is the big picture of language, mm -hmm. which is intonation, voice inflection, the bigger picture of the emotional content of language. Mm -hmm. So he could have said to me anything and, and I didn't get the verbiage, but because of the way his voice communicated, I could tell that he understood I needed help and he would get me help. That was so insightful to me because what I realized is that probably, and for anybody else who is listening, is that for so many people, who, who have been discounted mm -hmm. because of their disabilities, right. because they don't understand us or we think they don't understand us and they cannot communicate it, they're in there. They're in there. They're in there. They're in there and they're watching. They're in there and their perception right. of how you perceive them yeah. is very clear. Yeah. So they know if you're scared, oh, they know if you're intimidated, absolutely. they know if you're, that sense is heightened more so yes. than anything else. I also thought that's exactly what animals do. Exactly. That's what your golden retrievers, I have That's golden right. retrievers too. Yeah, nice. That's what your golden retrievers do. They res they're responding to tone, That's right. intonation, That's right. intent, That's right. that unspoken language. That's absolutely right. And they don't have the ego issue. Exactly. Exactly. They have the ego issue. Yeah. It's just love me, love me, love me. Happy you're home. Happy you're home. Happy you're home. So when you get to the hospital also, tell us about that process. There's so much to learn about the way people are treated. Oh, when I arrived in the emergency room, it was just a, bee, a hustling beehive and energy coming at me from everywhere. And people are swarming the gurney and they're, they're poking me and prodding me and, and giving me something to sign in this condition where it's like, I have no idea who I am. Who I am and I have to sign this thing. And my right <laughs> arm had gone paralyzed and I was fortunate that it came mostly back, but it was still just totally limp. And it was like, what is, oh, yeah, it was kind that of is crazy. It was crazy. And then yeah. I just Can you to sign this? It. I don't even know who I am exactly. and my right arm yeah. doesn't work yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and what when you first arrived in the hospital one of the things I remember you saying um, is that repeatedly mm -hmm. different people came in to do the same thing right right and that one of the first things that you learned was that hospitals should be about conserving exactly. a patient's energy exactly. instead of taking it away. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I learned that there there are two kinds of people in the on the planet, people who bring you energy or people who take your energy away. And that was all I had at that point. So I had this this precious little reservoir and if someone was going to come and interact with me, I needed them to bring me themselves. I needed them to to look me in the eye and to touch me and to just bring their hope and their their energy to me as opposed to taking energy away. No, I love this. This is going to be one of my favorite quotes of all time now. I really need people to take responsibility for the kind of energy they bring to me. Amen. You write that on page 120. Nice. Yes. Oh, I needed people to be walk-in conscious. Mm -hmm. Walk-in. I teach first-year medical students, so you know I'm preaching to these kids. Your patients, you they may be in this totally discombobulated condition, but when you walk in the room, you've got to show up for them 100%. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I agree. I think it should be a motto for life. Yeah. Take responsibility Take for responsibility. the energy that you're Absolutely. bringing to me. That's right. And so you would ask people to soften their brows yeah. and don't come bringing me your bad energy That's into right. the room That's right. because your right hemisphere mm -hmm. could so perceive yeah. those people who were there with the intention to help you right. and those people who didn't right. you know, really care, who were going through the motions. Yeah. One of the great moments I think that you also share in the book is, I can't remember the name of the doctor whom you had been on a, you, you had Ann shared. Young, Dr. Yeah. Ann Young. Yeah. 
and she came in with yeah. her team yeah. and share that with us. Well, um, she was just, uh, just a, I call her the queen of neurology because she had just meant so much to me pre-stroke. Uh, and she came in with her entourage because Mass General Hospital is a teaching hospital. And she came in and, and you know, I was just so glad that embarrassment was no longer a circuit that I had going on in my brain because mm. I was in the mid, my derriere in the air and having a sponge bath as the queen of neurology comes <laughs> into the room and with, with her entourage. Uh, but she came entourage in, of students. Entourage yeah. of students. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she came in and she, she touched me from behind as she walked around me like a good horse handler would. And she was gentle with me and she helped position me. And then she, she leaned too, down to my face and she spoke to me. She didn't speak to her, her students as they were all um, gathered around the room. And, and she asked my permission, and I didn't understand the language, but I knew what she was there for. She was there for a neurological exam. But she asked my permission to do this for her students, and, and I, I agreed. And so she performed her neurological exam, and I failed everything just like I was supposed to fail it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then, but she didn't leave until she knew that, that I was done with her. She allowed me to dismiss her. But she made a connection with me, and I felt safe with her, and I felt I'm going to be fine in her care. She's watching out for me. Yes, and you say in the book, which I thought was very helpful for anybody dealing with um, uh, members of their family or patients who have had the stroke or other disabilities, you say she recognized that I was wounded and not stupid. Exactly. Exactly. She respected me. Mm-hmm. She she came to me. She treated me as an equal. She treated me as though I was wounded as opposed to stupid. And there's a huge difference in, in affect and energy that comes at you when someone is helping you. So then your mother came, oh. Gigi. Oh, my God, did I love that. And then <laughs> along comes Gigi. Gigi. And so uh, Gigi arrives on the morning of day three. Gladys Gilman. Gladys Gilman Taylor. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Angel in my life. And everybody's so excited, though, because Gigi's coming to town. So it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm excited because Gigi's coming to town, but I don't know what so a Gigi your is. your right bra- brain senses the yeah. excitement. There's, excitement. There's something. Yeah. yeah. Something's yeah. going on. Yeah. Something's going on. Something's coming. Yeah. So, uh, so this woman walks in the door, and she walks to the side of the bed, picks up the sheet, crawls in bed with me, wraps her arms around me, and starts to rock me like I'm her baby again. Wow. And here I am going, oh, this is what a Gigi is. Wow. Because you didn't recognize her as your mother and didn't know what a mother was. No, no. Had no idea. All I knew was this very loving, kind, generous of spirit woman came in, wrapped herself around me, and just took ownership of loving me. And that was the new beginning. So one day I had been her Harvard doctor daughter, and the next day I was her infant in her arms again. And it was, that was where we began. That was where we began. Wow. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Some things should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be entertaining. Entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests, not banks. PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. Thomas's presents Tackling Traffic with Tom. 
Good morrow. Tis your reminder to savour the morning with Thomas's breakfast. And while you may not be able to control what occurs on your commute, like your horse and buggy popping a wheel and axle on the way to the schoolhouse, you can control what you put atop your soft but crunchy bagel and the toastiness of your English muffin. So do take the time to savour the morning with Thomas's. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. So going home, yeah. went back to your yeah. home, were the things there familiar to you? No, not in the beginning. Not in the beginning, I was just absolutely exhausted. So when I got home, it was like I just wanted to go to bed and, and hibernate. I just needed to recover my mind. Still no sense of identity. Still no, right. I no. am Jill. Oh, no, no, I, no, no, no. You know, no. I'm a doctor. No. I live in this place. No. I own these things. None of that. Nothing. I sat in an absolutely silent mind for the two and a half weeks before surgery and then up to two and a half weeks after surgery. In a silent mind. Silent. No brain chatter. No brain chatter telling me I am Jill Bolte-Taylor, I am a neuroanatomist, these are my credentials, all or, of that. Or none I need to do this, this, and this, none and this. None of that. Absolutely none Can you that. describe again for us what that silent mind oh, is like? Was it lonely in there? Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was tranquil and peaceful and, and I, I, was, I felt so whole and so enormous and, and and, and I would sit on my couch with this goofy grin on my face because I was alive. And because there was no left brain functioning, no attachment to the ego, you didn't care what other people oh, thought. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Made no difference to me. I think yeah. this is going to be so, the book is going to help so many people with uh, dealing with you know children or family mm -hmm. members with disabilities yep. because of our own stuff. Right. We look at them and feel... Oh, poor thing. You're projecting all your fears of what you think it would be like to be in my shoes, but you're not in my shoes. Even though you're drooling. Even though I'm drooling. Even though I, I have no no hygiene care. I have no ability to take care of myself. Somebody's feeding me. It didn't matter. What mattered was I, I still had life, and I was still capable of honoring my own life. I was wow. absolutely, I was perfect and whole and beautiful, just the way that I was. That was my perception. Okay, let's go to the surgery. You came okay. out of the surgery, and then yeah. what happened? What did they actually do in the surgery? Uh, in the surgery, they uh, drill three holes, take a blob of bone out of my head, um, sucked out a blood clot the size of a golf ball, put the bone back on, and um, said, go home and heal. Essentially, you, you, it's going to be two years before we know anything. And when I woke up later that day, there was a brightness. I felt I felt bright again. There, I wasn't. I, I had been just totally flat affect, just dull, just dull, happy but dull. And once that blood clot was gone, I felt like okay, my spirit, the energy of me. I feel in, like I can be enthusiastic about life again. So it doesn't matter. Whatever happens now doesn't matter because it, I feel like I'm me again. Did you think that the me was? Dr. Jill no. Bolte-Taylor? No, she was a long way away. She was a long she way away. She was a long way you away. You still didn't have an identification no. with no. an ego self. No. Yeah. No. No, I, it, was, um, it was two and a half weeks before the brain chatter started to come back. Okay. And, and it, was, it was like a slate that had been wiped clean. 
And so I didn't remember all of my, my, all of my science was gone. I had to learn to read from scratch. I had to learn to write from scratch. I had to learn uh, all my science. I, I still had the picture. The right hemisphere thinks in pictures. Yes. So as the left hemisphere and the brain can, became more normalized again from the swelling, the pictures were there. So I had to learn language again, which meant I had to learn what my name was again. My but even Puna. when you learned that this is your name, that yeah. still doesn't mean that you know that oh, no, that's no, no, who no. you are, that no. that's an identification no. because, for you. Because that person died. In my mind, that person died. Mm -hmm. And so in the absence of her, I was going to be somebody new. And I couldn't be held to whom she had been because she had been a Harvard brain scientist. And I couldn't hold myself to that. I had a big hole in my head. So so she was gone. And right. we grieved her. We mourned the, the loss of her, but, but she was gone. How did you grieve her? Um, we talked about it. Um, my, my mom and my friends, my family, we, we recognized that, that we had to let the person whom I had been go because I, I wasn't her anymore. I didn't have any of her recollection of her life. I had none of her knowledge. I had none of her education. I had none of her memories. Did you ever ever get to the point where you recalled those old memories? Uh, I, after about seven or eight or nine years, yeah, at that point, I, I it, it was a good eight or nine years before I remembered items from my past that I know no one had taught me. Mm -hmm. So, but it took many, 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 many years. So you basically had to relearn a self. Exactly. Re I, got, I got reborn, essentially, if you will, and start from scratch, and here you go. What are you going to do with your second life? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what an opportunity. I mean, because think about it. I got lost all my emotional baggage. On top of it, I lost all my pain. I lost any suffering I'd ever had. I lost all those memories. I lost it all, and I got to start fresh at the age of 37. So as you then are developing this new self, yeah. you have a choice right. to either pick up the baggage right. or not to pick up the baggage exactly. or to create new baggage. Exactly. And so you chose not to create new baggage. Exactly. How did you know not to do that? Well, I didn't like the way it felt in my body, so I chose not to run that circuitry. It's circuitry. It's all about circuitry. For example, um, you can think something that makes you feel sadness, and sadness has a physiological feeling in your body, and 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 you your throat tightens, and and things happen inside of you physiologically. I didn't like the way that felt, so I just decided that wasn't circuitry that I was going to run anymore. So I said no to the circuitry. I said no. I just you know you have to remember that your brain's just a bunch of cells, right? And I look at the cells as a bunch of little children. And some little children I want to play with, and there are other little children who I don't really like what they do, and I'm going to say, so no, I don't say, want to So you just say, I don't want to go anymore. there. Exactly. So and you, anybody can do that. So now you control your thoughts. It, we all do. For So right now you can stop and think about taxes. How did that feel in your body? <laughs> Not so Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you had the ability to consciously think taxes and have that experience. You have the ability to focus your mind on what you want to focus it on. Uh-huh. Okay, so so let's go to the GDP. So when you don't think about That's it right. anymore, it That's doesn't right. exist. Exactly. 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 Okay, let's go to the Gigi piece. The Gigi thing. I mean, you think about the power between the mother-daughter relationship. Right. And, and if anybody's going to have any power in my life, it's going to be my mother. Right. Well, I didn't even know what a, mo what a mother was, much less who my mother was. And I really liked this new entity, but she had none of her own her old power, which meant she couldn't she couldn't coax me into doing anything the way that she used to be able to because, because the she's relationship. Right. Because the game was different now. I changed the rules. Oh, my I God. I took away this her power. This is so freeing. 
I know, and that's the beauty of it. When oh you God. when you pay attention to what's going on in your own brain, and you take responsibility for the circuitry you're running, you play you you make the rules of a new game. And as soon as you change the way you interact with other people, the game the rules have changed, and the game has changed. You it demands change to happen. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Wow! Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's so. It's freedom. <laughs> How do we get some of this, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, yeah, without yeah. having to have a stroke? Yeah. Well, I, I, I you, am you write go... about finding your own inner yeah, peace. How yeah. do we do it? Pay attention to what you're thinking. Pay attention to what you're thinking. And you are not your thoughts. Your thoughts are created by a tiny, tiny little group of cells about the size of a peanut sitting in your left hemisphere. And many of us let that little peanut rule our lives. And you have to recognize that it's just a group of cells that is designed to tell stories so that we feel safe in the external world. You are not your thoughts. So pay attention to what you're thinking and then decide if those are thoughts that are creating the kind of life that you want to create it. And if it's not, then change your thoughts. It's really that easy. And that doesn't mean you have to work, work, work real hard to do that. Just take responsibility for the thoughts that you're thinking and allow yourself to move yourself into the circuitry that brings you peace. Wouldn't that be amazing if it, we all could tap into that without right. having to have a stroke to do it? Exactly. And I, I believe 100% <clears throat> that, that anybody can. I think it's, it's that attitude of gratitude. You know what it feels like inside of your body when you're feeling grateful? You're just, yes. you're just feeling the celebration of life and, and, oh my gosh, how fortunate it is for me to be on the planet, to have this form. And, and who knows what the future is going to bring and who knows what the past is brought it doesn't matter all I have is right now and 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 I'm celebrative that gratitude and that to me is the power of now um, you say it's also so quiet so important to to pay attention to self-talk mm, absolutely self-talk oh Be yeah pay attention to what you're saying to yourself and take some responsibility for that voice I mean, yeah, right. yeah. Right. I mean, I'm not going... that's all it is, is just talk. It's just talk. And did you ever wonder when you're mad, really mad and you're yelling at yourself, did you ever wonder who's doing the yelling and who you're yelling at? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the left hemisphere brain chatter yelling at that right hemisphere, which isn't always doing things absolutely to the detail that that left hemisphere would like because it doesn't care about any of uh -huh, that stuff. Uh -huh. One of the things I wanted to talk about is when you were in this state in the hospital, you talked about in the end of the book... 40 things you needed most. And I was struck by, ask me questions with specific answers. Allow me time to hunt for the answers. Allow me time because I, I have my, my mind is wounded. I have slowed way down in my ability to communicate. Be patient with me. Don't finish all of my sentences for me either because I need to be able to go through that hunt and process. And if you ask a question and then answer it yourself, I'm left out of the loop. And I learned that you don't really care to get any information from me, so I stopped trying. Wow. Yeah. Handle me gently as you would a newborn. Yes. Treat me, treat me with that love, with that reverence and that love. So what can brain uh, science teach us about ourselves to help us cope when there's all this brain chatter going on? Where do you focus your attention and pay attention to how things feel in your body? Because you know what you feel like in your body when you get angry. 
And you have a choice when you get angry of either being angry or of paying attention to what it feels like in your body when you are angry. And when you have that kind of a physiological response, when you get angry, it only takes 90 seconds. It takes 90 seconds from the moment that you feel that trigger happen and you feel yourself starting to get angry for the, the chemicals to flush through your body and then flush completely out of you. 90 seconds is all. So if you start feeling next time, Oprah, next time you start feeling yourself getting angry, I want you to look at your watch. And start timing it. And start timing it. Within 90 seconds, it will be gone. And you'll go, okay, I just dodged that one. Really? Yeah. So 90 seconds. So then why do people harbor the same feelings because for they years. Keep, they keep rethinking the same thought that re-stimulates that emotional circuitry and they rerun the loop. Got it. And I hook right back into that hostility and I'm going to run it again. And I can stay angry. People can stay angry for days and weeks and years. It's phenomenal. Just because they're, they're choosing, either consciously or unconsciously, they're choosing to rerun the loops, the circuitry. So I loved what you shared with us before, that you weren't trying to get back to your old self. No. You mourned and grieved the loss of the firstborn, Dr. Jill Bolte. Firstborn, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. And went about creating another mm-hmm. Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor right. for yourself. Right. Yes. Yeah. And how is that that Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor different from the original? Well, my friends tell me um, I'm, I'm, I'm much more fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have more time for people. Um, I'm more compassionate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more generous of spirit. Mm-hmm. I think that those are improvements. Well, it has been a joy being able to share this time with you Thank and you. all of the I'm glad you had a stroke of insight. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I'm glad you had a Thank stroke you. of insight. Yeah, no, if I could go back that day and, and, and not do it again, I would say no. I, I, if, I, if I could have choose learned, to have it. I would choose to have it. I have learned so much. I have grown so much as a human being, and I just really feel like I have identified my purpose. And the purpose is? To help other people recognize that they, too, have deep inner peace right there in the right hemisphere. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, stroke triumphant stroke triumphant (laughs) (laughs) nice 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 Nice. thanks everybody for joining us i'm hoping that we all learn from your experience really and that we all gain our own strokes of insight from it thanks everybody i'm oprah winfrey and you've been listening to super soul conversations the podcast you can follow super soul on instagram twitter and facebook if you haven't yet go to apple podcasts and subscribe rate and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation and you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Three great words, free, fries, Friday, especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. Valid one time on Fridays at participating McDonald's through 12 31 excludes tax, must opt in rewards.